Welcome to Get On Purpose, the podcast to get clear on what matters to you, get moving, and get results. Hello, and welcome to Get On Purpose, Episode 8, Season 1. I'm your host, Karen James, or KJ. Got a bit of a cold, and I've been holding off recording, but you know, I'm human, and I get a cold, so if I sound funny, it's because I'm a little sniffy. Um, so last week, we had quite an important episode. You know, we talked about the importance of being the leaders of our own life before we can really look to others being a key foundation in, in getting on purpose and to living a life on purpose and taking that personal accountability for, you know, owning it, owning the leadership within our own life. And and it's not easy. And having people around us holding us accountable is, is, is an important aspect of that. We also discussed, you know, the importance of having a strategy or as I like to call it, a cunning plan. And, you know, this sounds very corporate-like or in our personal life, you know, having a strategy is important as well. You know, having things, plans in place to keep us on track. And it's really critical that whether it's at home or at work, that your strategy is woven um, with the threads of your blueprint or your moral code, your purpose, your vision, and your values. Or, you know, you're just really writing a plan that doesn't doesn't link to that. You know, there's lots of experts in the field of strategy for both our personal life and business. So the purpose of this episode is not really to focus on creating that plan, but rather discuss the implementation. Because I find the doing is the hardest part of living life on purpose. You know, how we operate, how do we make sure we actually walk the talk? How do we make sure we execute our plans, you know, aka our strategy, to our blueprint, to our moral code, to our purpose, in the direction we have set for our vision? It's really easy to get off track when we're under pressure, even with the best leadership, the best growth mindset, and the best intentions. This is why we need to weave our blueprint, purpose, vision, and values into our day-to-day operations to make sure we don't get off track. It's almost like we have to put in safety measures. And this is where the structure in our operating models is really critical. You know, big word in the context of our personal life, but I have found that when I take the learnings from organizations and organizational structure really helps me in my personal life. You know, it, it, they, you know, this ranges from how we structure ourselves, how we manage our time, how we start and end our week and so on. And we see this in companies, you know, there's an operating rhythm, there's a defined structure, you know, how do we kick off Mondays? What do we check in on Wednesdays? What do we do on Fridays? You know, love the Cohen and Brown methodology where on Mondays, you know, you just look at the strategy and say, okay, well, we know we're headed long-term, but what are the five most important things we've got to do this week? And let's make sure we get those done. Well, you know, we can apply that at work and at home. And I think that, um, you know, looking at these operating models, they really demonstrate the power of effective purpose-led operations. My favorite example of, of operating models is, is policy. I love policy and how it can make things happen. You know, policy is formally defined as a statement of intent, which is implemented as a procedure or protocol. Sounds very corporate or institutional, but I think policy applies everywhere, at home, at work, and government. You know, 
you know, a statement of intent, which is implemented, but that is turning your intentions into actions. So this is why I love policy so much because it gets us on purpose. Um, so I, I like to put policy in my personal life because I think, I think when you, when you do that, it, it helps you stay on purpose. So my favorite policy is what I call the bad parenting policy. And I created this when my girls were very young, quite young, as I was an unexpected single mother with two babies. And I thought I needed to create a policy to help me achieve one of my most important goals, that being to create generational improvement for my girls. So I created the bad parenting policy, which gave the girls the ability at a very young age to call my behavior. It was simple. If mom or mom is doing something that doesn't seem aligned with our family values, the girls could say, mom, are you having a bad parenting moment? And you can only imagine how many times this was said over the years, but it became something that was, that stopped me in my tracks and the girls never abused the privilege and they always used it in a very respectful way. So let me, let me share a great example. When um, my daughter was taking what's called the HSCs in Australia, I, I threw banana bread at her. And I know I discussed this in an earlier um, episode. And, you know, I mean, that's not a good thing. And my youngest daughter called it. She's like, you know, is, are you having a bad parenting moment? And, you know, as silly as this sounds, you know, I think that putting that policy in place has actually been one of the best parenting decisions I've ever made because it enabled the girls to actually take the values that I wanted to live by off the wall and actually put them into action. And it stopped me in my tracks many, many times from potentially making a really bad parenting decision or bad parenting mistake. In organizations, companies, and governments, I think the best example that we've all heard about is the whistleblower policy, which, you know, I think sounds very, you know, very like, I don't know how you'd even call it, but sounds very um, political or almost like a police thing. But when you think about it, you know, every organization should have the equivalent, you know, how do you get the people to the top to make the changes when things are going off the rails? That's really what it's all about. It's formally defined as a procedure put in place to expose people engaging in unlawful or immoral behavior. You know, everybody wants that. No matter how big or small your company, everybody should have that in place. So a whistleblower policy is really about creating a policy so that you're not just sticking your moral code, purpose, vision, values on the wall, but you're actually creating a pathway to implement and call out behavior so that they actually flourish and operate in your organization. And we've all seen these kind of policies succeed, and we've all unfortunately seen them fail. So it's really critical that you test them regularly to make sure that people using the policy are protected and make sure what they're disclosing gets to the right people. So last week, I had the great pleasure of speaking at the Women in Focus conference, a conference which was operating so on purpose, it was actually magical. We heard from Heather Swan, one of Australia's best-known adventurers. Heather holds a number of world and Australian records. Heather shared openly and with great humor and energy. I just loved her presentation. She actually shared her story as if it was the first time she'd ever heard it. Her love of 
Johann Wolfgang von Goth was shared. So I've been researching his work over the weekend. And now I see why she loved him so much. His writings inspire you to turn your intentions into action, to face into it, to effectively operationalize your purpose. Here's a couple of his quotes, which I think really speak to this point. Knowing is not enough. We must apply. Will is not enough. We must do. The other quote I found, behavior is the mirror in which everyone shows their image. You know, which brings me to behavior. Behavior is, in effect, another operational policy. You know, you must put it in place and there's got to be checks and balances. We need to make sure we're operating with the behaviors that will get us living on purpose. And we need to make sure we set ourselves up to succeed. We need to try and get ourselves and everyone around us operating with the right mindset. And that's got to be a growth mindset. We need simple things in place that we know make a difference from the fantastic research on neuroplasticity. That's hard to say. Our brain's ability to form new connections throughout our life. In effect, our ability to change our behavior. You know, we need to put the basics in place. We need to operate with enough sleep, enough nutrition, enough exercise, enough self-love to look after ourselves. Heather shared some of her tips, which I see as operating procedures. These are the things Heather does consciously every day, which enable her to get the courage to face the fear she would naturally get when jumping off cliff faces and base jumping and all of the crazy things she does. Here are the top three that I love the most that she shared. Heather values the effort as much as the outcome. I love this. Because if we don't value the effort, we're never going to have the tenacity to achieve the greatest of outcomes. You only have to look to Edison at how many times he failed to try and light that light bulb to know he had to have valued each and every failed test. I shared this quote with my daughter over the weekend and and it really meant a lot to her because sometimes we don't get the outcomes we want straight away. The second thing Heather shared is this one. Do something today that your future self will thank you for. I love this one as it focuses you on your longer term vision. And I think it can be applied everywhere. Imagine if every day there was an operational process for publicly listed companies to say that to themselves each and every day. I think it would really get them past focusing only on quarterly results. And the third one, which I just loved, is the approach that Heather uses when she's in her day-to-day operations and a negative, fearful, or just unhelpful thought pops into her head. She applies what she calls her ICC. It stands for interrupt, challenge, and change. The first thing she does is she interrupts the thought. Second thing she does is she challenges the thought. And the third thing she does is changes the thought. I think that's a great procedure to keep a growth mindset, which is absolutely required if you're going to create a life that is on purpose. So now I want to get straight into our GAPA, our get on purpose action, and have a think about those three tips from Heather, which I think are fantastic, and apply them to this week's GAPA. So when we look at what we're doing at home, and work, have a look at it from an operations point of view. What are we doing to make sure we're operating day to day with our blueprint or our moral code 
our purpose, vision, and values as our pillars, as our foundation. Start by saying what's missing. Make a list of what's missing that takes you off, that isn't executing on your purpose, vision, and values. Then have a think about what needs to change. What needs to be to change in your life to make sure that that's happening and put them in place, whether it's at work or at home. And I know these are big questions, so don't underestimate this scapa and give it the time it deserves. Because when you lift the hood on any business or in any home life, you know, you often find there's a great deal that has to change in the engine room. I do this every day and it's almost like torture, but it's important. And it's the most important changes that we make that let us really grow. So maybe we all need the bad parenting policy. And so I hope you have a great week and remember what you do matters. Thanks for listening. And if you'd like to subscribe, we're on iTunes as Get On Purpose. And if you want to leave a comment or review on iTunes, we love it. Always keen to hear from you. If you want to get in touch, I'm on Twitter at Karen T. James. And I've got loads more info over on the website, KarenTJames.com. You can also, you know, find us on social, in Facebook and Instagram, On Purpose Hub.